if you are able to think for yourself and you look at the data and you just say what that data says, you will be isolated from mainstream society. And then people like us find each other because, and so in that way, they are hopefully sowing the seeds of their own downfall. So long as they're not rounding up like Machiavelli would, everyone who dissents and who says the true thing in the room of liars so that they can then have them. I think, um, I think, I think it may come to that point, but I think we will have, we will have escaped to our various neo-Byzantiums by the time they simply go through the streets with a machine gun and kill people that express any logical, reasonable ideas. But I would you like to know more? Hello, everyone. Today we are joined again, we're very excited, by the Jolly Heretic, aka Edward Dutton, aka Professor Dutton. You can find his podcast or YouTube channel, The Jolly Heretic. He also authored The Naked Classroom, a sort of the mathematician's lament of science education, which is available on Amazon. But today we're going to talk about something a little different, some research that he recently did, as well as an interesting theory he has. So let's start with the research that I want to start with is the Rome study. Talk mm. a bit about what was found in this study, because I think it was really cool and that it seemed to confirm a theory that a lot of us have been throwing around and sort of- Sort of confirm it, yeah. So basically, basically the, the, the theory is that what causes the rise and fall of civilizations? And the theory that I've been working on for a long time, well, loads of people have worked on it, but I've, I've quite associated with it in a book I did called At Our Wits End, Why We're Becoming Less Intelligent and What It Means for the Future of Michael Woodley Vinny, is its intelligence. Intelligence is the central thing. If you're under harsh Darwinian conditions and you, the intelligence is not particularly high, there is strong selection pressure for intelligence because intelligence gives you the competitive edge and allows you to survive. And we showed that across time, based on proxy measures such as skull size, such as capital major innovation, such as literacy, even though sounds of living didn't change much, such as numeracy, such as interest rates, which are a marker of, of time preference, and a number of other measures that intelligence seemed to be going up. And indeed, the richer 50% of the population in England had, based on parish records, doubled the complete fertility of the poor 50% of the population, and, the, and uh, intelligence is associated robustly with wealth, and so this indicates intelligence is going up. And then you get the breakthroughs of the Industrial Revolution, of course, and then you, you start to get a situation where uh, the Darwinian selection pressure is reduced. So that, whereas what's been happening is every generation, the bottom of society have been dying out and the mm -hmm. top of the society have been increasing in size and, and moving <coughs> down to fill the, the, the places vacated by those at the bottom who have died off, then that process kind of stops because you, with, with the innovations of medicine and better housing and all industrial revolution, Darwinian selection measure is weakened. And mm. then you find this process where it, it, for some reason, we don't quite know why, but I've speculated on why in my book, it goes into reverse. You start to see a negative correlation between intelligence and how many children you have. Mm. And we showed we show evidence of this based on, again, per capita major innovation, uh, based on IQ scores, based on reaction times getting longer, based on color discrimination getting worse, based on new and based on simply genes that are associated alleles that are essentially associated with high intelligence, again uh, becoming less and less and less within the population. So, and, and what that eventually leads to, of course, is the society becomes stupider and stupider and stupider, and it can't sustain things it used to be able to sustain. But also, it, it degenerates into war. It splits up. It becomes impulsive and whatever. And essentially, the civilization mm -hmm. collapses at worst or at best it retreats you get a kind of byzantium effect where clever people that are still there kind of club together and keep it going in some smaller form as it as it reduces in size and so on so intelligence becomes the motor of the rise and fall of civilization so what we and the theory is that that could be the case with rome 
And there was some evidence for that because uh, they talk about in the time of Augustus, they noticed that the upper class men are not having many children. They talk hmm. about this and they note the population is going down and they that Augustus brings in a tax on childlessness for the upper class men and they pay the tax and all this sort of thing is going on. And so we thought, well, we'll contest it with ancient genomes. So what you have is these samples. It's true that they are small samples, but the statistical significance was maintained and all, mm -hmm. all that they were representative. And are you sure, are we find that at the beginning of the period of Rome, you know, the, 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 the prevalence of these alleles is not that high. It goes up. It reaches a peak in, in the Republican period, and so this is a highly intelligent period. And then Rome starts to generate into chaos. Rome, of course, it has, doesn't have an industrial revolution, but it does become very rich. It has the, the grain laws, the dole or whatever. It, it reduces, it creates its own zoo, like we mm -hmm. do. Reduces selection pressure. What do you see? The prevalence of the allele associated with intelligence starts to go down. And, and this goes down in parallel, basically, with the collapse of Rome. So it, 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 do, it does fit the data, now, or the theory. The counter-argument, no. sorry, is that there is a change in the composition of the people living in Rome so that you have more genes, more bodies that are from outside Rome itself that are from other parts of Italy or of the Mediterranean. Hmm. So that's a compound. But, but, but otherwise, it, it does kind of fit. It is what we would predict. Yeah. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember in this study as a point of clarification, they're not looking at IQ. They're looking at the polygenic risk scores that today would be associated with educational attainment. Yeah, so with high polygenic risk scores, so high, very high educational attainment, which is a very good proxy for IQ. That's, that's yeah, yeah, no, no, it's a good proxy, but I think a lot of people might be like, well, IQ, whatever. It's like, look, they're not even looking at that. They're looking at like functionally, like the types of people who in our society would get PhDs just started to disappear from the society. And and this is fascinating because this theory existed prior to, to you know looking at these historic bodies. And it aligns with something that we've noted in some of our work that if you look at renaissances in a region, they typically last for no longer than three generations and they almost never bloom twice within the same population. So if you, whether it's the, you know, the Scottish Enlightenment or the Renaissance in Italy or, you know, the American Renaissance in the original 13 colonies, or you, you rarely will see a Renaissance lasting longer than three generations or happening twice because Renaissances seem to be genetically exhaustive of whatever is their precursor. And this also aligns with some of the theories I've seen of why you saw civilization bloom in places that previously were more barbarian, where when a place was particularly barbarian during a previous phase of large, large civilization, that they were likely to become the nexus of the next civilization. And, okay, and, and yeah, sorry, yeah, I, mean, I think that's a very good point. So you've got a situation where civilization will move because uh, it will start in a place where there is an optimum relationship between the genetics and the environment, and it will, which will, which will allow the 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 the, the, the civilization to spread and, and and whatever and grow, and it will mm. perhaps then move, let's say, further north to a place where the environmental selection pressures are harsher, which means that in in sort of theory, there's, let's say, harsher, more selection for something like intelligence, or there could be, there could be, if, let's say, something like farming went there. Yeah. So in the absence of farming, the, the, the farming is a selection event. Farming selects for intelligence. And so if you, if you, if you take farming from the Mediterranean uh, or whatever, so from the Nile up to where, to the north, 
then the, the selection pressures are very, will become very harsh for them. A lot of them will be wiped out. And so then you'd expect the center of civilization to move north because there suddenly is harsher selections for intelligence further north. And it would carry on like that. Yeah. Well, I'm arguing more that like barbarism is is the precursor of, of, of civilization or intelligence. Because keep in mind that Rome wasn't replaced by, you know, northern European civilization. It was replaced by Islamic civilization. And, and that came out of a region of extreme barbarism. And then if you look at the Roman Empire, the, the next places of large civilization were like the German territories and the English territories, which were two of the most, the, like the least tamed during the Roman Empire. Well, hold on. So you don't really mean barbarism, which is really just being foreign or different. You, you mean like harsh living, right? Harsh living. It's yeah, it would, it would, it, that's an interesting possibility. It would, it, would make, it would make sense that they're under, they're under harsher conditions. Mm -hmm. And because they're under harsher conditions, they're sort of more up against it. So there's less possibility to experiment. There's less yeah. excess. And so they can't innovate these kinds of things themselves. But once they get hold of the rubric of the innovation, then because their harsh conditions are more selective for intelligence, mm -hmm. let's say, then they can take it and they can run with it and they can do fantastically well. So yeah. the kind of the, 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 the possible problem with that, and my colleague on that paper, the Rome paper, is, is looking at this at the moment, is that there's some evidence that the really, really important thing is farming. That's the, that's, oh, really? It's, it's huh. crucial. And, it, and, it, and, and once you get farming, it massively elevates IQ. And because it creates this competition where anyone that doesn't take up farming is wiped out. And it's much more cognitively demanding to pursue farming than to pursue hunter gathering or farming. So is it farming or is it technology adoption? Because farming is a form he's arguing of technology. It's, well, it's that, it's arguing that form of technology. Uh -huh. Now, I, I don't know if he's right, but that's what he's suggesting. So he's arguing that, that possibly based on the polygenic scores, people, the reason why agriculture was developed in Iraq was because at that time they were just the most intelligent people. And, and 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 so it might it might not that I that theory is the one I used to hold to it might not be right we'll see interesting yeah I'd be interested to see yeah I was just thinking in my head okay so the the, the times when I'm thinking when a big civilization like when I was like okay civilization died civilization rose you had a uh, Greek civilization which rose after the Bronze Age as a result of Egyptian civilization and, and the Bronze Age civilizations leaving the scene. And we know that that region has recently undergone a near total ethnic replacement. That's mm -hmm. what we saw was like the erasure of, so there was really heavy conflict in that region. We know that Islamic civilization came out of a really, really high conflict region. Rome, pre-Roman history, was really high conflict, but did have farming. None of the other ones I knew had a lot of farming. I did it. Ancient Athens, I'm thinking pre pre like Bronze Age collapse, Sea People time, they might have had agriculture, small scale at the, at the very least. Small scale they agriculture. Had, had agriculture, yeah. So I mean, I think I think that your theory that you're propounding is one I myself propounded in various things I've written. It may well be right. But I'm just I'm just wondering at the moment. I will wait to see my colleague's research on this. If there is, well, some let's other hear way. your other theory. No, I also want to. Well, hold know, on. There's one question I want to ask, and this is to both of you. And this is just because my understanding of this period of history, especially when it comes to falling birth rates, is imperfect. Obviously, what people give as excuses for not having kids is different from why they're not actually having kids. But was there some taxation or inheritance policy or thing other than just hedonism, which is always the answer people give when societies stop, you know, producing as many kids that would explain why especially upper class men were not having as many kids at that time the opposite i mean they were they were trying to encourage upper class men to have more kids using right but why weren't why weren't they despite encouragement well, my, my, 
we don't really know. My theory, which I've expounded in various places, is that ba- is that basically, well, the evidence is that mortality salient and threat of mortality and death, that's what makes you want to have kids. That's uh-huh. our evolutionary match. So if you take that away, then it becomes a selection event for the, just the genetics of pronatalism. Mm. And, and, and that is what is taken away, to some extent anyway. Okay, there was high mortality in Rome compared to now, but that is what is, particularly among the upper class, that is what is taken away. And so they just stop having, they don't, it, the, 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 the instinct doesn't hit in. And I think that's what we're seeing now. People that are more intelligent are more environmentally sensitive. There's a number of lines of evidence for that. And so they're more sensitive to the environment. If they're in an evolutionary mismatch, they're just less instinctive. And so they just don't have kids. Well, and we also need to think about what what does hedonism mean? Like, what does a society have to look like for it to extol hedonism as a virtue and to not severely punish members from engaging in hedonism? Cultural groups that didn't punish hedonism historically are typically outcompeted really quickly because it's really bad for the elites in your society to be overly hedonistic unless you massively are outcompeting your neighbors. And this is why if you look at the periods right before various civilizational collapses, whether it's the Athenian civilization, the Roman civilization, or the Muslim civilization, all of them had extreme hedonism, particularly sexual hedonism, right before their collapse started. And you can read a lot about this. I think people would be surprised. And the reason why I always include the Muslim civilization one, because I think a lot of people ignore that in their data sets, but it gives you an additional data set in an area where we already don't have that many data sets. Yeah, and Pasha Pasha Glove in his book, The Fate of Empires, looked into the the Islamic situation, of course. He was amazed by the parallels between between 8th century Islam, let's say, and what was going on in Rome 800 years earlier. Yeah, it was very aligned. Um, Yeah, and something I also want to compliment Ed Dutton on saying here, because this is not the way the opponents of ours think, is he had a theory, he was committed to the theory, he had written on the theory, he had somebody else agree with his theory, and he said, well, I'm actually aware of some counter evidence that's currently being developed, and so I want to see if it disconfirms my presumptions. This is a really important in the way that people should think and engage with ideas and is not often seen in our society right now. And I think it needs to be specifically called out. It's a good thing to say when somebody says, I might be disproven. Here's somebody who's working on this. But let's now go to your next theory, the new one you're working on now. Yes, very fun. So I'm known for a theory of spiteful mutants, which was... Well, <laughs> Can you actually, talk a bit about spiteful mutants first in the development? The idea that if, 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 uh, if there is a collapse in harsh Darwinian selection pressure, then you get a buildup of mutation. The, the mutation will relate, of course, to the body. It will make people physically less healthy, but it will also make people mentally less healthy. And people that are mental, and those things are pleiotropically related. Mm-hmm. And so if people are mentally less healthy, then they will tend to have adaptation. They will tend to have basically ways of thinking for genetic reasons that are unhealthy, uh, that are maladaptive as opposed to adaptive. So what have we been selecting for across time? We've been selecting for intelligence. We've been selecting for uh, pro-social personality. We've been selecting for uh, obviously wanting to have children, natalisms, basic thing. Uh, we've been religiosity because religiosity seems to take that which is adaptive and make it the will of God. We've been groups which uh, we've been selecting for ethnocentrism, positive negative ethnocentrism, obedience to authority, all these kinds of group-oriented things. We've been selecting for all this whole bundle of stuff that is all bundled together and tends to manifest in certain kinds of religious group. And so you would expect a deviation from that, and that deviation would be associated with mutational load. 
and you would get these 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 mutants. They'd be identifiable by sight to some extent because of the relationship between what you look like and mutational load, who would just have maladaptive ideas. Because we're a highly pro-social species and we're meant to be surrounded by genetically healthy people, we would be influenced by them. And so therefore they would spread maladaptive ideas around the society. These would be ideas like Andrea Dworkin or whatever, you know, that, you know all sex, obvious spiteful mutants, ugly, disgusting woman. Um, the, I mean, all... all <laughs> All, all sex is rape and, and, and you know, that basically we should just allow humanity to die out. So that was the idea. You have these, these spiteful mutants. And if they are reasonably intelligent and they, they reach the middle class, then they will be able to push society in a maladaptive direction and, and just destroy it, basically, and you know, lead, lead, lead to its, its end. So they're spiteful. They're, they're bad for society. And then more recently, myself and a colleague have been, think, have been revising this idea and thinking, actually, no. Like what, what, what actually perhaps they're altruistic. I mean, what are they doing? They are going to bring about a people who are basically very religious, very conservative, very pro-natalist, very genetically healthy, very able to, if like some kind of massive natural disaster happens, like happened with the, with the late Bronze Age collapse, very able to survive that. Mm. Like if they weren't there, potentially we just get unhealthier and unhealthier and unhealthier and when inevitably there's a big natural disaster then just everybody would die out so are you saying they're like a mouse trap like well, catching no, so, so it's it's very interesting i i'll give my thoughts on this because well, I'll I just, think... let me just summarize what i'm so so the idea yeah. what they are doing what they are doing what woke is doing is it is it has taken over the culture of society and it is pushing society in a ma it, it, it is where, whereas you are used to being pushed along the adaptive roadmap of life, which says you should think life has meaning, which says that you should believe in God, which says that you should have children, which says that you should eventually men and women should be women, whatever. All of all of the which says that you should live in relatively monocultural society, everything. All of this is utterly subverted. All of this is turned on its head. In, in, instead, you are pushed along a maladaptive roadmap of life where you are told you shouldn't have children, you should mutilate your body, you, you should be gay. You, you should you should welcome the destruction of your society. You should just everything bad. So who uh, therefore people don't have children? Who is resistant to this onslaught, which says don't have children, or which pushes you towards not having children? Which, which you know feminism or whatever, which pushes you towards not having children. It makes it more difficult. Or fat acceptance yeah. pushes you. Who is resistant to this? It's going to be people that, for genetic reasons, are going to be highly ethnocentric, conservative, religious, and those all correlate with being healthy. So basically, mm. it's a selection event, and the, the woke people are altruistic. They are bringing, they are, they are eugenicists. They are bringing about the removal of all but the most genetically healthy and the most basically conservative and right wing. That's what they're. That's what they're bringing about. And so, from the perspective of those that are right wing, one could kind of argue that, that they're altruistic, aren't they? I mean, they're they're, they're a good thing. They're they're a, they're a group level adaptation. And the group that doesn't have it could be in trouble and could and could die out. What they're also doing is they're bringing down civilization, and if they're bringing down civilization back to harsher Darwinian conditions, then of course we need to be able to survive these harsher Darwinian conditions. But they're also ensuring that there are going to be people that will survive these conditions because they're discouraging those that wouldn't survive it from breeding. So, and then you get group selection, and their group is the strong group. So they're purging their own group of the unhealthy. That's what wokeness yeah. could be argued to be doing.
Well, I, I, so I want to dig into this because this is really cool. And it, it goes on some of the things that we've talked about where uh, Wokus, you know, we, 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 through any avenue that they preach their, you know, mimetic sterilization, they are primarily sterilizing people who are genetically susceptible and open to these progressive ideas. Now, I, I actually think that it is potentially scary how good they are at this from a genetic level like they're doing a very good job of removing pro-sociality from the human species which which you know it isn't all good but it is definitely a real phenomenon that we are really seeing yeah i'm hearing like drawing out mental illness like a sponge okay drawing out a bunch of other problems but then also like drawing out yeah. openness to outside ideas i mean we, so we like who's, who's being killed who do fat yeah. activists kill you know they kill you know, people who are susceptible to these ideas. Who do uh, pro-abortion advocates kill? They they are aborting progressive fetuses. Who are, you know, who when, when people are open to sexual practices that lead to lower fertility rates, you know, who is being attracted by this? It is typically people who are more susceptible to these ideas. The downside is of all of this. So of the first series, I don't know if the mutants would know that they were mutants or know to be spiteful. Like there would be no genetic um real reward for them to do this i i think that you, the second theory is closer to the truth and that it definitely is having this effect on populations hmm. unfortunately they suppress fertility particularly in the midwit population that is uh, susceptible to their ideas they don't do a good job of suppressing fertility in the idiots or in the severe upper class and i think that this could lead to speciation or yeah yeah yeah, indeed. So, well, I think what it, no, well, no, I, let's let's put it a different way. I'm not sure about that because I think that what you, what you have with the, the 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 low intelligent people, what what the work are doing as well is bringing down civilization. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 those those that have, you know, the, the, it's the South Africanization of the West, basically. And yeah. those those that have low IQ, who, yeah, you're right, in, on a certain level, they're not suppressing their fertility. But those people are genetically very unhealthy and are increasingly completely reliant on complex systems, National Health Service or whatever, in, in order to survive. Those people are mor morbid. So, so when, when when civilization starts to decline, and there's there's, there's no this they're bringing about. Remember, they're bringing that about by massive mm -hmm. verbal immigration, by 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 encouraging the midwits not to breed, by by whatever. They're bringing that about. Then these people that have low IQ, they're just going to die off. So, so your your the the the, the midwits the midwits start, the midwits resign from the gene pool. The low IQ people are unable to survive. And also remember that one of the things they're bringing about. Is a uh, in, in in bringing about in, in selecting for people that are more religious and conservative is a much higher level of disgust, mm -hmm. and this 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 has an interesting effect because it has the kind of effect that you have in Victorian England where they talked where there was massive uh, problem with disease and whatever, which is why they were so conservative, mm -hmm. which is that they saw the working class as like vectors of disease that were dangerous and you had to keep away from them. Hmm. And I think you're going to get the spread of these kinds of ideas increasingly that, that they're almost another people that we just don't you don't go near yep. them. That's just no. Well, and, and where we would have the biggest disagreement on this is, is I would actually argue that they are holding off the collapse of our society through immigration policies that bring in a large portion of, of people who are still genetically healthy and haven't been ravaged as much in, in as, as centers of, of, of long-term urban wealth. I think that whenever a place enters like stagnant long-term urban wealth, you begin to see a uh, pretty big dysgenic effects and that they are keeping society like broadly alive. This is in America more than on Europe. On the other hand, on the other hand, on the other hand, couldn't you argue that what they're, what they're doing is they do this increasingly and increasingly is creating a, a growing sense of sort of almost like native 
a, a subculture of native identity almost, whereby whereby with their woke policies, if basically if you dissent from their ideas, then you know you are evil, which which inclines people who do dissent from their ideas to increasingly come together into into a subgroup and yeah. breed with, and breed with each other in a way that they wouldn't previously probably have done or needed to do, which therefore increases a sense of separation between the, the, the surviving native conservative population and, and everybody else. So, yeah. they're, so, so, so they're, they're, bringing, they're bringing about this sort of genetic similarity process but via exclusion, via excluding us from their party, via excluding us from their social networks. That's what, that's what, they're, that's what they're doing. So yeah. you us three met, you know. So so I think that on that on that level they're helping to create that. I mean, it's true that the 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 I think it's unsustainable. Ultimately, it gets to a point where there is a there is a growing reaction. I think against this 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 high immigration. But when but yeah. when that happens, if you don't have the high immigration and you don't improve the birth rate, then what you ultimately will have is economic collapse. So it, yeah, it, and I should also point out that there's very different types of immigration within different countries and, and for different communities. When you have what I would call high barrier immigration, you're typically going to actually get the best and the brightest from a country. And if, when you have low barrier immigration or you're getting the, the final squeeze, like Venezuela is a good example here. The early Venezuelan immigrants would, that, that noticed things happening and came when it was, you know, it, it's still difficult to come, but now you're sort of getting the final squeeze of the, the vine of the country. And so you're getting lower quality immigrants than you would in the first few waves of immigration. But this has, as, as bad as the effects are within the United States, you need to consider what effects we're having on these developing countries when we do siphon off their best and the brightest. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at a place like Africa and, and generations and generations of siphoning off their best and brightest is definitely going to have an effect on these countries if we continue to maintain this as a policy. Like genetics exist and genetics are real. And so we will destroy not just our own country, but their country. You know, you bring them over, then you mimetically sterilize them. And then you have to bring the next over. And, and iterationally, this is going to have huge genetic effects around the world. And people are underestimating how quickly really strong selective pressures like this can have an effect on things like baseline IQ in a population. They do because they don't understand that the it's not just with something like schooling. It's, it's not just, okay, the IQ of the population is going down, so the, the IQ of school kids goes down. No. It, it, what's the IQ of the teachers? That has an environmental effect mm -hmm. on the IQ of the children. What's, what, what's the, what's the uh, IQ of the environment that these teachers can create? And so similarly, you've got to think about the effect that it has at the right tail. What, if you halve the proportion of the population that have an IQ above 145, it doesn't take much to do that. Mm -hmm. Then you are you are you are halving the proportion of the population that are creating an environment that is bringing the rest of the population environmentally to its phenotypic maximum intelligence, and 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 so they're becoming they can become rapidly stupider, and I think we we see that that's what it's the cultural effect that's very important. If you think about if you just watch on YouTube the quality of programs that were put out documentaries that were put out in the eighties, the assumption of the intelligence level of the population. Compared to the nonsense that is that is that is put out now, then then that that, that is a case in point. So yeah, it's what's it's what's done in the smart fraction that is I think as important as what's going on in the population. And I would encourage if people haven't done this because we had to do this when we were doing channel research. Is sort on YouTube by most views for different types of search terms or just for channels, and you will see that the most views by far are videos that seem to appeal to almost a toddler-like intelligence. Yeah, this is 
I, I think a lot of people, and this is a big problem with like the effective altruist community and stuff like that. And a lot of people who live like in upper class or middle upper class communities or creative communities in urban centers, they just don't interact with average people. So they don't know how bad it's gotten and how far down the slippery slope we are already. Yeah, it's like um, slapstick. Like imagine like a family of people of different sizes jumping over a tire that's rolling toward them like down a back alleyway. Like that's what Charles Murray said that we we get this cognitive stratification and and you you don't you don't interact. I I particularly don't because I spend my time in Finland, and yeah. I and I speak in Finnish and I or I speak in English and you think well the fact they can speak English means that's a bit intelligent, or I'm speaking in Finnish and so you're not getting the nuances of of of, of how low IQ some people might be. When I go back to England, as I have increasingly am as part of my YouTube show and whatever, I am shocked. Like I was, I was at Heathrow Airport of Terminal 3 and the guy that was in charge, in charge of the security baggage thing, right? And I was, I complained about how the surliness of one particular, one particular baggage checker. And, 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 and the guy said, he said, what was the word he, he used? He completely mixed up the, 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 the meaning of two words. He, 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 he mixed up something being, yeah, he said, well, he's not entitled. He's not entitled to push your bag along the carousel. He's not entitled to. No, he's not, he's not entitled to, to push your bag along the carousel. I said, what do you mean he's not allowed to? No, no, he's not entitled to. I said, do you mean he's not obliged to? <laughs> And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's not obliged to. He's like, right, he's mixed up obliged and entitled. They're quite different things. And that is a, that's a level of stupidity. He's learned this, this high order word somewhere, entitled mm -hmm. or obliged. He doesn't know what it means, but he's trying to sound clever to the customer that's complaining. And so he misuses it. I was like, how can you not know the meaning of the word entitled? I think you're still profoundly un oh, oh, sorry, overestimating intelligence if that's what your complaint is. I, like do what your, your, your quote earlier that i thought was better of what number of politicians can't judge like if a coin flips twice yeah. what's the probability <laughs> people have complained people on twitter have complained to me about this and they've said it is unreasonable they've said oh i didn't get it and i'm and i'm perfectly intelligent no you're not it's 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 how can you think well <laughs> if you flip it forever for eternity it's just going to be one in two you flip it a hundred times, it's one in two. How can you think if it's once, it's one in two, that if it's twice in one in two, if it's three times, it's one in two, if it's four times, it's one in two? It's mad. I mean, it's just. Well, that's, I mean, I, 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 with that particular issue, I think a lot of that comes back to your book, The Naked Classroom, where we have not, we've not been taught how to engage with logic on our own. We've been taught to memorize things. And I would even argue that the majority of the people who have the right answer for that have the right answer because someone in a classroom told them to go through this exercise and they were wrong and then they were proven wrong and they felt dumb about it and now they'll never forget it again. But I think that when it comes to actually like the proportion of the population that has gone through industrial schooling that would answer correctly that question is incredibly low because of the way that we've been taught math, because of the 20, way it was 25 percent it was half among mps and i think i'm right in saying it was 25 percent among the population. that doesn't surprise me at all though because look at how we're taught we're not taught to reason for ourselves to actually think through it we're taught to memorize basic things 
Yeah. Well, and I think that this is really interesting, this point here, and it comes to something he was saying earlier, is, is we are to some extent blessed that the woke mobs, because if you are able to think for yourself and you look at the data and you just say what that data says, you will be isolated from mainstream society, from the portions of society that the woke mob controls. Yeah. And then people like us find each other because, <laughs> you know, just saying truth removes you sorry, removes you from positions of power in our society today. And so in that way, they are hopefully sowing the seeds of their own downfall. So long as they're not rounding up like Machiavelli would, everyone who dissents and who says the true thing in the room of liars so that they can then have them. I think, um, I think, I think it may come to that point, but I think we will have, we will have escaped to our various neo-Byzantiums by the time they simply go through the streets with a machine gun and kill people that express any logical or reasonable ideas. But I do but, want uh, to argue that there's, there's a difference between people who've been ruined by the industrial education system in people who are just inherently kind of speciating and like what they are, like the way that they engage with the world, the things that entertain them, the things that they like, the fundamental way that they think. Yeah. Okay. Just, I, think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I want to argue that like there are more redeemable uh, from a perspective of like, oh, these people can like get us off planet. These people can build great things, people out there than we might otherwise argue that no like, there's not a lot of people this is always you think that there's a lot of smart people in the world i think that there's a handful i think there's like maybe fifty thousand, maybe a hundred thousand i wonder if what simone is arguing is that there are people out there that even if they're not that smart are in the right circumstances useful to building up a society maybe i mean at least i'm arguing that a huge proportion of the people that right now are not going to be able to build anything meaningful make any difference in society that we personally would value in terms of like advancing civilization could have had they gone through had they existed in a different type of society and gone through a different form of education so they've been well, robbed I of that, agree opportunity. With that you you might be you might be able to create more independent thinking like real people yes they were educated differently not might be almost certainly would yeah because there's a portion of people and this is particularly true among women where if no matter how smart they are if they see something as shamed by society or they're like this is what's normative in my society that's what they're going to do mm -hmm. yeah i mean the basic argument against the lab leak theory is that the wrong kind of people believe it yes that's, that's yeah. it that's the we argument yeah, it is funny when you mentioned, you know, people walking around and like, like shooting people in the streets. I'm like, well, we didn't come far from that recently was the whole vaccine thing. Like they have shown that they're willing to do this kind of stuff. They've shown with like the trucker protests in Canada when they would go through and like cancel these people's bank accounts that they're willing to go to really, I think, much more extreme levels than we were aware that they were willing to go. Hmm. Yeah. They're too cowardly to open fire. It's 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 uh, it's a, it's a more it's a more it's a more it's a more pusillanimous way of doing things. Counseling bank accounts, making people's lives very difficult. At least in, at least a hundred years ago, you knew where you were. A, a, a dictatorship just open fire. You risk your life. That's it. Now, no, no, you you risk social ostracism and social difficulties, like like being excluded from a gang of girls. And economic school. ostracism, which is the and more damaging thing. You know, we've met guys. One guy very like mainstream sort of guy just sort of called out efficacy around vaccine stuff and he's been debanked 
debanked. Like, like he can't use mainstream banks anymore. He's not like going out there spouting racist stuff. He's not like going out there just said, hey, this this COVID narrative seems off to me. And that's wild to me when they felt that they had power, how far they ran with it. Well, it, it, does, it doesn't seem surprising to me. The COVID, the, they, they had to give the impression from a Machiavellian perspective of just being in control, being in control. And the COVID thing illustrated very clearly the total lack of control. They had no mm. idea what they were doing. And so much was much worse to, to question what they were doing in terms of COVID than, to, than racism or transphobia or whatever. Way worse, because it was fundamentally, this, was, this, this could be a revolution. I mean, this is the government showing they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, just to what you were saying earlier, in case any of our audience don't know this yet or they haven't stayed up with the research, like the lab leak theory thing, the amount of evidence there is for the lab leak theory being accurate is overwhelming. It was definitely a lab leak. Like this is to say it wasn't a lab leak is 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 literally, uh, you know, almost equivalent to like the the moon landing was a hoax level. Like just it grasping at straws, and yet people were getting deplatformed for saying that in the early days. Mm. Well, now, I mean, people were being deplatformed for anything that the mainstream, like government or media establishment, was not advocating for, including the efficacy of masks, right? You would get in huge trouble if you questioned that. And of course, even in the beginning of the pandemic, people were saying, no, 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 don't wear masks because one, they're not effective. And two, like the good ones we need for actual healthcare. We are so blessed that we were not public figures when COVID was happening. Oh, we would have been so screwed. That's right. Yeah. I was, but I just felt it best to shut up about it. Smart. Very, smart. very smart. smart. I could see that this this was the one thing that, that just no just the third it. rail. Oh my goodness! Well, what this... I like about your theory, though, in in general, is that it is broadly optimistic. You're you're taking a theory that was quite pessimistic originally, and now you're like, yeah. oh no, everything is going to be okay. Th things are working out the way that they're supposed to. I mean, it'll, it, be, okay. it'll, be, it'll be okay in the end. We'll have to we'll, we'll have to go through hell first. Uh, was it Churchill said, "If you're going through hell, keep, keep going." Keep on going, yeah. Um, and and uh, there'll be there'll be a lot of unpleasantness first, but yeah, it seems to be that what I originally thought was that it's just the collapse of society and there'll be a very very long dark age and maybe we, uh, yeah, the the uh, uh, maybe that will just collapse and that will be a very long dark age. But the more I've looked into it, the more I'm thinking, no, we, we first of all there was a Byzantium last time that that held out, and so there should be this time. Secondly, we have higher, much more technology this time, so that if we can if we can create these separate states that are useful using this technology, then we can start at a higher level and so the renaissance you know and so therefore we could potentially go further and thirdly i, mean, I can't even begin to predict what effect ai would have on this because it's a new thing right. that's yeah. taken off in, in in terms of good or bad things i mean the bad thing is that it would just keep society on on sort of life support as it farms out all work to machines and the humans are just these sort of sort of farm animals really that are, that are sort of milked by by a by a great big machine and 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 go into greater and greater dysgenics and I, I i don't know that could be terrible actually this this is where the wokes are doing us enormous favor is because of ai if they weren't pushing such strong pressure on us to all conglomerate together we likely wouldn't because of AI, because AI doesn't force civilization to collapse in the same way it has in the past. If they weren't doing this themselves, we wouldn't be building these parallel economies. Well, and isn't there an argument to be made that because of AI, 
there may not even be a dark age because one, it will accelerate the extermination of any group that will basically fall into like a hedonic pleasure box because AI will facilitate that. Those people won't have kids and then those people won't be in the future at all, leaving only like really industrious, hardworking, non-hedonically motivated people left and yeah, AI to empower them. Imagine if, if it can if it can if it can make I mean the pornography is a problem even now. So if you, if you've got pornography that is utterly sating and mm. not just but an ersatz relationship which right. seems real, right? Then then you could see how it's going to be a, a it's a selection event, uh, even more so than than I had previously said. And so it, it it selects out all these men, all but the most high quality men, all but the most high quality women out and 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 you just have this 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 group of of gold, golden sonic golden people who well so who then are... is this maybe as bad as it gets perhaps we are at the lowest point no 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 you you definitely will have an economic collapse after this oh well i think we will uh, I, I, we're so, we're so how, I if you look at sort of strauss how or whatever all the various theories on this we're so due it i mean we really we're so due economic collapse and war where it's it's we uh, is it happening and I don't notice it or what I don't know but, but was it we're just so rich that we're not noticing it but we're, we are absolutely in terms of this cycle I told you about this Finnish guy this idea of cycles of hormones and whatever we are so we are so due something anytime now that would be well, yeah, this conversation has been fantastic we're really glad we had you on again and I hope that you have a spectacular day and guys do check out his book the the education book on amazon and the naked the classroom podcast what the naked classroom and, naked classroom the, the, jolly and the jolly heretic mm -hmm. and, and my book on this subject we were just discussing is called the past is a future country the coming conservative demographic revolution mm. uh, and then i've got another one called breeding the human herd eugenics dysgenics and the future of the species and i'm working on while on the altruistic mutants so obviously it's a new new thing i'm working on Ooh, very fun. I, well, and I love it. I, I love it because it's such a great thing to throw in our opponents' faces. One of my favorite tweets was something like, feminists and antinatalists are the only cultural groups that think that they can outcompete their rivals by having fewer kids. You know, and it's, it's just so silly on its face when you think about it. But have a spectacular day. Yes, thank you so much for coming on. Great, great to talk to you both. Okay, well, I hope you had a great Christmas, everybody, and Happy New Year and all that.